This is SMDC. Hello, everyone. It's December 2021, and this is Episode 13 of The High Ground, U.S. Army Space and Missile Defense Command's official podcast. I'm Ronald Bailey, a.k.a. Beetle. And I'm First Sergeant Steve Sagan. First Sergeant Sagan is joining me virtually today from Colorado Springs. December 13th marks the 385th birthday of the National Guard. And as a former Guardsman myself, the Guard's birthday is always something special to me. My own connection with the Guard began in 2002 when I left the Air Force after 12 years of active duty and joined the Wisconsin Army National Guard as an infantry NCO. Shortly thereafter, I received my commission as an officer and transitioned to the Minnesota Army National Guard as an air defense artillery officer. In 2005, I began my 11-year relationship with the 100th Missile Defense Brigade in Alaska and Colorado, finally retiring in late 2017 as the Colorado Army National Guard's public affairs officer. Ron, I spent a lot of time in the National Guard as well. You know, I was when I, when I got off active duty, I went into the Army Reserve, and at that time they had combat arms units. Then, you know, it was a big transition, and I became you know combat service support. But when I w- went to graduate school in Nevada, I had the opportunity to join the National Guard. And I had never been in the Guard up to that point. I got to become a tank commander, um, and we rounded out the 11th ACR. So that started my National Guard career, and I was in the late 90s. And then when I moved back to Colorado, I had the opportunity to get into Army Public Affairs with the Colorado Army National Guard. And I spent, oh, a good seven or eight years doing that. Went back into the infantry uh, with the Colorado Army National Guard, and then back into public affairs before I transitioned back to the Army Reserve. So the Army and the Army National Guard's birthday is near and dear to my heart as well. The genesis of the National Guard can be found in the English tradition of militia service during the pre-revolutionary American colonial period. This was solidified on December 13, 1636, when the Massachusetts Colonial Legislature directed that the colony's existing militia companies be organized into three regiments. This date is recognized as the National Guard birthday by the Department of Defense. To be honest, there's no way to do appropriate justice to the 385 years of Guard history in only a few minutes, but what I'd like to do is borrow from the introduction of Michael Dublier's authoritative work, I Am the Guard, which notes that the composition and service of the Army National Guard has evolved in three distinct phases. From its early beginnings in North America, the militia, typically small companies, provided local protection, law enforcement, and served as the basis for more ambitious military ventures. During the American Revolution, the militia fought the war's first battles, provided a foundation for the creation of the Continental Army, and contributed troop units of varying quality for a wide range of missions. Throughout the 19th century, militiamen enforced federal, state, and local laws helped to create the vast volunteer armies of the American Civil War and serve the nation as it expanded westward. In the aftermath of the Spanish-American War, the long era of militia service surrendered to the rise of the National Guard more as we know it today. Perhaps the most significant change in the Guard's evolution began with the Militia Act of 1903, where the National Guard became the organized, trained, and equipped Federal Reserve of the United States Army. In two world wars, the National Guard proved its worth from the battlefields of Western Europe to the Mediterranean Basin and throughout the far-flung archipelagos of the Pacific Ocean. 
After World War II, the modern Army National Guard emerged as a bulwark against communist expansion. During the Cold War, Army Guardsmen fought in the Far East and deployed to Europe and Central America to help contain communism. In the post-Cold War era, Army National Guard soldiers have ventured to Southwest Asia, the Balkans, and implement a new national security strategy. In nearly four centuries, American militiamen have transformed themselves from a loose collection of local defense forces to a modern and ready Army National Guard that is arguably the best reserve force in the world. They also still retain the key elements that sets them apart from their active component and reserve counterparts, which harkens back to their foundation as a local militia force. National Guard soldiers naturally serve in what is known as Title 32 status. While in that status, the Commander-in-Chief of the National Guard in the 54 states and territories is their governors. Without getting into the legal and technical details, this is why you largely see the National Guard used during disasters and other emergencies such as civil unrest. They are available to the governor for being called up for just such efforts. Having served with the Army National Guard myself from 2002 to 2017, I know that serving the community in time of need is a particular source of pride for all National Guard soldiers. From filling sandbags to stop a flood in Nebraska to fighting the nation's wars overseas, for 385 years, the National Guard has been exactly what their motto proclaims, always ready, always there. So that's a quick summary of National Guard heritage. First Sergeant Sagan will take us from here and highlight how the National Guard has expanded from the front line of our nation's conflicts here on Earth to how SMDC National Guard soldiers are protecting us on the new front line of warfare, space. SMDC is one of the truly multi-component commands in the Army, with active, reserve, and National Guard units spread across the country. Figuring out who is part-time, or often called traditional, the soldiers that serve one weekend a month and two weeks a year, and those who are active, or AGR, can be challenging. The seamless mission these soldiers perform is critical to the SMDC mission. So when you walk into a space in the 100th and see a soldier, you don't see their status. You see a soldier. And that's a good thing. But to break it down, I asked Lieutenant Colonel David McDill, the command's National Guard liaison, to tell us more about the differences. So, yeah, when it comes to uh, the number of National Guard soldiers you know, especially when you're talking AGR, who's here every day and who is in a traditional National Guard status working on the weekends. We actually uh, have a, uh, a saying with the 100 Missile Defense Brigade, the 300 protecting 300 million. And so uh, there's actually uh, roughly 60% of the SMDC Guard forces uh, serving in an AGR active guard status. Uh, versus traditional status of those that come in on the weekend. And the majority of those traditional status uh, soldiers are actually with the 117th Space Battalion. With a core mission of Homeland Defense, the 100th Missile Defense Brigade is one of the three brigades in SMDC. This mix of traditional and full-time National Guard soldiers charged with missile defense. But you may be wondering why the National Guard has this mission at all. CW3 Andy Knight explains why the National Guard has this mission. It's a homeland defense mission. So traditionally, the National Guard through NORAD, NORTHCOM, has always had homeland defense missions. 
and air defense in particular is an army mission. So, you know, I know there's been questions about, um, you know, Air Force has a lot of missile missile stuff, but most of what they do is offensive. Uh, so it really just made a lot of sense for National Guard air defense to do the homeland missile defense mission for the United States and, and uh, territories. Although it is a National Guard unit, with many of the soldiers staying in their home state, there are active component soldiers that rotate in. These soldiers helped 100 stay fresh and up to date with the latest developments in air defense. Chief Knight tells us more. So the active component soldiers that we get, I think, really, really bring two things. Uh, and, the, and the first thing they bring is is that fresh look on air defense operations. You know, they may be coming from a THAAD or a Patriot or even some more obscure career fields like JTAGs to uh, missile defense. And they can help us refine our gunnery program. Uh, they can help us refine a lot of our processes, and they can bring a different perspective on tactics, techniques, and procedures that we might not get to see uh, because most of the, our, our National Guard soldiers are going to stay here for many, many years. Uh, so they bring that fresh, fresh take on things. And I, I think the other thing they bring is when they come to us, uh, we, we try to um, – you know, get them as much experience with our unique system as possible so that when they go back out to the active component forces, they can speak intelligibly about what our mission is and facilitate it from other positions throughout the command. With an eye to the sky, the 100th performs an important and critical Homeland Defense mission. But what about the other aspects of space? Much like 1st and 2nd Space Battalions, the 1st Space Brigade, the Colorado Army National Guard's 117th Space Battalion connects the warfighter to space-based assets. Major Andrew Schaff tells us about the mission of the battalion. It's the only space battalion in the entire National Guard throughout all 54 states and territories. The mission of the 117th Space Battalion is to plan, coordinate, integrate, and synchronize and execute space and technical operations in support of Army, Joint, Combined Forces, and Civil Authorities. Now, to go back into those numbers, you've heard a lot about Title 10, Title 32, and everything in between. Since the 117th is a Title 32, or traditional National Guard unit, they are often mobilized to assist in state-level or domestic incidents, such as natural disasters. Yeah, so the 117th Space Battalion is a National Guard asset. And so because of that, we function in a couple of different uh, title statuses that is different from the active duty. So the 1st Space Battalion and 2nd Space Battalion soldiers are Title 10, either active duty or reserve soldiers, where soldiers in the 117th Space Battalion are uh, Title 32 soldiers. And so because of that, we have a dual mission of performing uh, a support to the, the federal uh, active duty as well as the state mission to the governor of the state of Colorado. To confuse you more, this state call-up can be done as part of state active duty, but this is an important distinction between active or reserve and National Guard. Major Schaff explains. And when the governor for the state of Colorado calls us up to do work, whether it's in support of uh, missions such as COVID, uh, fire response, 
floods, we could be doing that in either a federal status as a Title 32 soldier or in a state active duty status where we are actually considered um, temporary state employees of the state of Colorado uh, performing that mission. No matter what status these National Guard soldiers are in, they all bring the power of space to the warfighter, whether it's the support of state, local, or federal partners. As part of the Defense Support the Civil Authorities, or DISCA, the 117th brings their space-based capabilities to help these federal, state, or local authorities do a number of different things. Let's learn more. So in response to support to civil authorities, we may do a, a mixture. Uh, primarily, it's been the support of commercial imagery to the emergency response and emergency agencies uh, that are overseeing the response, uh, whether it's providing uh, quick access to the commercial imagery or some assessment of the commercial imagery that's uh, able to be created. Uh, in some of the responses that we have been doing recently, uh, it hasn't been doing space activities at all, uh, where it's just providing additional bodies to be able to support the emergency response uh, authorities in those particular areas. National Guard soldiers are an important part of the total Army force and trained and deployed globally, just like the active component. Being a member of the National Guard, you know, we do our part, whether it's here uh, domestically or overseas. Over the last year, we've had uh, soldiers mobilized to support all kinds of missions, whether it's responding to COVID, to floods, to fires, to the additional work that's gone on at the National Capital Region. One of my soldiers was deployed in support of that. Uh, and so at the same time, I also had an Army Space Support Team that was deployed uh, overseas to, you know, uh, you know, a, an operational area that um, is continuing on the federal mission. So we, we are a very diverse group, uh, and because of that diversity, I really enjoy uh, being able to continue to serve uh, with my fellow citizen soldiers. For the past 385 years, the National Guard has been serving the state, community, and nation. It's important to recognize their service and the important mission they perform. Lieutenant Colonel McDill sums it up for us. I, I want to reiterate, I think this is great uh, that you guys are recognizing the National Guard for the 385th birthday. The National Guard was stood up on December 13, 1636, when uh, Farmers would put down their pitchforks and pick up a rifle, and uh, that was the uh, first muster. And today it's uh, teachers, it's police officers, firemen, what have you, people coming from all walks of life and, and putting on the uniform uh, to defend their state and nation. And we just celebrate the, uh, the 385th birthday today. Thank you. This has been another edition of The High Ground. For more great content, follow us on the web at smdc.army.mil. I'm Army First Sergeant Steve Sagan. Thanks for listening, and happy birthday, National Guard.